I've been stressing as I've been working through the book of Matthew that Matthew is written in chronological order and that it also is thematic in its presentation of the Word of God, that it is important that we see the relationships that exist in the narratives in the book of, of Matthew. When I am preparing to preach a message, there are a series of questions that I need to answer as I begin to uh, approach the scripture. The very first question that I ask is, what's my text going to be? Okay. Where am I going to preach from? Now, in one sense, that's a no-brainer, for on Sunday mornings, I'm preaching through Matthew. So it's easy, because I start my sermon preparation on Tuesday morning, and I begin where I left off. So last week, we left off at verse 28, so that means this week, I start with verse 29. So that part is simple. The hard part is, where do I stop? How large is the text going to be? How much scripture am I going to cover? And there are some competing values. For example, the shorter the text, the more detail I can go into. If I'm looking at just one verse, I can rip it apart. If I'm looking at 50 verses, I can't do that. The longer the text, the more general the approach must be. The shorter the text, usually the more readily understandable the message is going to be. The longer the text, the more complex the message, and thus the more difficult to follow. The shorter the text, the more fragmented it becomes from the overall context. The longer the text, the more it relates to the broader context of the book of Matthew. The easier it is to see how it fits within the framework of what Matthew is presenting to us. And it's for this last reason that I've chosen to have a very lengthy portion of scripture that we're going to consider this morning. As I said, I ended at verse 28 last week. So we're going to begin at verse 29. And the smallest unit of thought is verses 29 to 39. It's known as a pericope, meaning a unit of thought. There is what would normally be a very logical sermon uh, presentation for it has, all of it has to do with the teaching of Jesus, the multitudes, and the feeding of the 4,000. But the point of including 29 to 32 in the book of Matthew is not given to us until we reach Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. In other words, there's a reason that this story is being told us. And we don't really find out the reason until we get to Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 to 12. And it forms the application of the pericope that we're going to consider. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, it says, When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to take any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began to discuss among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? 
Do you not perceive, do you not remember the five loaves or the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves or the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. How would it have failed to take their notice? How could they have so quickly forgotten the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000? How might that be possible? And what does that have to say for us in application about the forgetfulness of applying God's word? Matthew 16, 5 to 12 was directly related to the two incidents or events that immediately preceded. The warning of the disciples concerning the scribes and Pharisees in verse 6, Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees flow out of the events in Matthew 16, 1 to 4, the Pharisees coming to Jesus requesting a sign. However, the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was saying. Jesus rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith and understanding in verses 9 and 10. Matthew 16, 9. Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves of the 5,000? How many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000? How many baskets you gathered? Jesus says, why don't you get it? Why don't you get it? I want to answer that question this morning. Why didn't they get it? Why didn't they get it? But before we answer why didn't they get it, first we need to understand they should have gotten it. They should have gotten it. They should have made a connection. The first connection they should have made is between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. They should have, in their mind, made a connection that they failed to make. The feeding of the 5,000 was incredibly closely related to the circumstances that were associated with the feeding of the 4,000. Let's look at that passage highlighting the similarities between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had displayed his power through many miraculous healings. Matthew 15, 29, and 30. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet and healed them. The context is Jesus ministering to a crowd of people and performing great miracles of healing. Same in the dealing with the 5,000. Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus announced his compassion on the crowds. Matthew 14, 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. That's the feeding of the 5,000. Feeding of the 4,000. Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to them and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Both of these incidences were motivated by Jesus' compassion. Jesus has compassion for people in need. They should have gotten that. 
Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, there was not enough food to feed the 4,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, we read this. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go in the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. Matthew 15, 33. The disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Same words, it's a desolate place. Where are we going to get the food? Same thing. Why didn't they apply what they heard and saw and witnessed in the feeding of the 5,000 to the feeding of the 4,000? Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus asked, how much food do they have available? Matthew 15, 34, Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Drawing their attention to their lack of substance. They said seven and a few small fish. In the feeding of the 5,000, we have five loaves and two fish. Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had the people sit down on the ground in expectation of being fed. Matthew 15, 35. Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus gave thanks. Matthew 15, 36. Just as in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus gave the food to the disciples who in turn gave the food to the crowds. He even dispensed the food the same way. Matthew 15, 36. And just as in the feeding of the 5,000, there were many basketfuls left over. The narrative is constructed in such a way as that we should have our minds drawn to the attention of, boy, this sounds familiar. We've been through this before. Liberal commentators question whether or not there are two events because there are so, so, many, so many similarities. But it becomes very, very apparent in the text, that yes, there are two events. And it is the similarity that we're to see. The narrative is constructed in such a way that we are to marvel that the situation and circumstances did not evoke the calling of mind by the disciples of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Have you ever said to yourself, how could the disciples be so stupid? Why didn't they get it? Why didn't they see it? Have you ever sat back and thought, man, if I were there, you know, where am I going to get the food? They just fed 5,000 people. But Matthew 16, the point is now that the disciples not only failed to apply what they had learned from the feeding of the 5,000, now they failed to apply what they learned from the feeding of the 4,000. Notice Matthew 16, 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Don't you understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and any many baskets you gathered? And now this. Matthew 16, 10, or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered. 
It is in reverse order from what we would naturally think. You would think that he would say, don't you remember the 4,000? And then don't you remember the 5,000? But he doesn't reverse order. Don't you remember the 5,000? And don't you remember the 4,000? Don't you realize that the last thing I'm going to be worried about is how to get food? Of all the things that I'm going to be concerned about, the last of them is, where's our food going to come from? Don't you get it that I am able, I am sufficient, and I am compassionate? I'm not going to be on your case because you forgot bread. There is a bigger issue here. We should see ourselves in this text. Why is it that not they, but we have to keep learning the same truths over and over and over again? The circumstances may be slightly different, but they are the same old truths that God is able to supply our needs. Have you ever stopped to Ask yourself, why do I fret over the same things that I always fret over? Why do I worry about the same things I worried about five years ago? Why is it that I commit the same sins that I committed before? Why is it that I find myself asking God to forgive me, asking God to deliver me from the very same thing that I asked God to save me from and deliver me from last week? Why am I awed by hearing a message that speaks about God's sufficiency when I've heard tons of message about God's sufficiency? Why don't I get it? Why don't we move on? Why don't we grow? We should be just as frustrated with ourselves as we are with the disciples. But let's turn it on the head for a moment. And I would submit to you that we ought to be as patient with the disciples as we are with ourselves. And yes, we should be patient with ourselves. In order to fully learn anything, it means that we have to hear it repeatedly. How often does a child hear the ABCs before they're able to sing it? How many times does a child fall down when they walk before they're able to finally run? There is a growth process that is at work. And that growth process is essential In 2 Peter, Peter writes, This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. I am reminding you of what 
the prophets said. I am reminding you of what Jesus said. I am reminding you of what I have said. Paul writes in Philippians, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. It is not irksome, one translation says. It doesn't bother Paul that he's writing the same things over and over again. And, he says, it is a safeguard for you. We need to hear the same old truths over and over and over and over and over again. We need to go through the same experiences over and over and over and over again before we finally get it. That's a part of the growth process. That is the way we learn. But why was Jesus teaching the disciples that they needed to be concerned about what was not food, but the teaching of the Pharisees? What is the main point of this section? Matthew 16, 5. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The disciples were worried about the wrong things. They were worried about the wrong things. They should be concerned that the teaching of the Pharisees would not rub off on them. Instead, they were concerned about having forgotten to take bread. If you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 1, we find out about the Pharisees, and it says, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him. And they asked to show them a sign from heaven. Now these scribes and these Pharisees, they had come together not to hear the truth, but to test Jesus. And they said to Jesus, we want a sign from you. We want proof from you that you really are from God, that you really are the Messiah. Jesus had a brilliant response. Jesus says that they're able to interpret signs regarding time and the weather from heaven. Notice Matthew 16, 2 and 3. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. Now, that is still true. That is a general truth that mankind has discovered and known. It was taught to me by my mother as a ditty, as a child. I learned, red at night, sailors tonight. Red in the morning, sailors take warning. That was the ditty that that I learned. That is just common knowledge. That's common truth. You can look out there and you can see, oh, sky's red tonight. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful evening. Or you get up in the morning, sky's red. Oh, it's going to rain today. It's going to be stormy. You better watch out. He says you can can look at the skies and you can see the times. 
but you fail to recognize the signs. I've been healing people. I've been feeding multitudes. And you say, show us some sign that you're from God. They were impervious to the signs that were all around them. So he says, I'll give you one sign. It's the sign of Jonah the prophet. The obstinate prophet. The one that rejected. Jesus is warning the disciples, don't neglect the signs. Don't miss what I'm doing. Don't get caught up in all the peripheral so that you lose sight of what this is all about. Namely, that I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, and I have come to deliver. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't miss the signs. This passage is to teach them and us that they missed the signs time and time again. It brings us full circle in the text. But it should bring us now to our own applications. We sit and we hear these Bible stories week in and week out. Many of them you could tell as well as I could tell them. Story of David and Goliath. You probably know the story. Stories that speak of God's power. Stories that speak of God's deliverance. Stories that speak of God's compassion. Stories that speak of God's ability. But what do we do when we face life's circumstances? Are we able to take these stories and bring them into our life in a meaningful way? Are we able to embrace them in such a way that they impact us? Can we move beyond a Bible story mentality? Can we connect the dots to our own life situation? Will we learn once and for all that God is able to provide for us and stop worrying about our physical and material needs and leave that in God's hand? Will we learn not to focus on the material but the spiritual and desire humbly and sincerely to be taught by Jesus? What is striking in this this passage is that Jesus is warning the disciples about the teaching of the Pharisees. That's what he means by the leaven. The leaven, the teaching of the Pharisees. Eventually they get it at the end. In the narrative... In the summary of the feeding of the 4,000, if you read through that narrative, he's with them for three days. He is with them to teach them. There's not one word in the narrative about his teaching. Because that's not what they were there for. They didn't come to hear Jesus. They came to be healed by Jesus. They came to have their needs met by Jesus. They didn't come to be instructed by him. They didn't 
come to have their sin confronted. They didn't come to understand truth. They came to have their needs met. That was not where their focus was. And the Pharisees did not really come to Jesus either to be taught, to grow spiritually. Let us reflect on why we are here and what we are to learn from these circumstances and these situations. And may we apply them to our own present situation. May we think as critically about ourselves as we do the apostles. So why didn't they get it? Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. Their discussion, in the Greek it means they repeatedly were batting back and forth, what does this mean? And they kept saying, we didn't bring any bread. We didn't bring any bread. We don't have any bread. They were preoccupied with bread. Why don't we get life's situations and place them in relationship to the word of God. I submit to you that we're preoccupied by other things. He said, don't you yet perceive, don't you yet understand? Don't you, haven't you reflected on these things? And the answer was no, they didn't. They didn't take time to reflect. They didn't take time to think. They just went through this. Preoccupation. It's 10 to 12. I know it's 10 to 12. Believe it or not, I look at my watch when I'm preaching. Maybe somebody's thinking, if he goes much longer, my dinner's going to be dry. Or, you know, if he let us out a little earlier, the, the line's going to be shorter at the restaurant. I've got a baseball game this afternoon. I was hoping that we could get an early start to do this or that. It's amazing how we can be preoccupied with what really doesn't matter in life and lose sight of the greater things. Even ministry. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 4,000. They're the ones that are handing out this bread. And yet in their own life, they're worried about where we're going to get bread from. And they're feeding all the others. It's easy to teach a Sunday school lesson and explain it clearly how we should trust in Jesus and then that week fail to trust in Jesus. It's easy to 
to open God's word and yet fail to put it into practice. We hear, but we don't listen. And we don't listen because we're preoccupied. Sometimes it's too familiar. You hear the same old things. We ought to pray, we ought to read the Bible. But do we pray and do we read the Bible? Do we do these things? Do we think about these things? Do we reflect? Or do we have a near jerk, knee jerk reaction? Matthew 16. Verse 5. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000, and how many baskets you gathered, or the seven loaves for the 5,000, and how many baskets you gathered. How is it that you have failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees. He didn't actually say, beware of the teaching of the Pharisees. He said, don't you get that I wasn't talking about physical bread? And when they thought about that, they said, he's talking about the teaching. He's talking about the teaching. The light starts to go on. What we should pay the most attention to is the teaching of Jesus. What we should be thinking about when we're passing out this bread to these crowds is what Jesus has been saying for the last three days. What we should be focusing on is what Jesus is communicating to us. And I say to you, there's a great, great lesson to be had in this. If we are going to get it, if we're going to grow, if we're going to develop, we need to be preoccupied with the message of Jesus. Even singing can be a distraction. Even worship can be a distraction. If we're not focusing on what did Jesus say? It's the word. It's the word. Be aware of the teaching. And follow my teaching. The crowd wasn't interested in the teaching. The Pharisees rejected the teaching. And the disciples 
ignored, forgot, did not reflect on the teaching. The old in one ear, out the other. May we reflect, may we meditate, may we dwell on the word of God in such a way that when life's circumstances arise, the word of God comes into my heart and mind and refreshes me and renews me and encourages me and strengthens me and says, yes, there is no reason to be fearful for God is compassionate, he is able, he will supply, I will trust him. May we be preoccupied in our thoughts of him and his word. Then we will get it. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to grow. Help us to be attentive to your word as we read it, as we study it. Yes, even as we teach it in Sunday school or in our family devotions. May we not miss its application. May we see life's circumstances in the light of your sufficiency, in the light of your sovereignty, in the light of your compassion, in the light of your mercy, in the light of your grace, in the light of who you are. Oh God, may the light go on. May we understand you are the Son of God. You are our Savior. You are our Deliverer. We have no need for fear. Oh Lord, cause us to be fearless in you. Help us to get it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.